Okay, guys, let's get started. We have, um, we have, we're in Parshat's, Parshat uh, Vayera, and um, we'll have a discussion tonight on the on the plagues during our dis- during our open discussion. But prior to that, I would like to present this uh, this short shiur. The uh, the previous Rebbe related a manner in which the altar Rebbe brought his his grandson uh, to to his first sort of class. And the altar Rebbe instructed the teacher for his grandson to study the first passage of the Parshas uh, Vayikra. Now we're not in Vayikra, but it's going to get to a point with the child. After the teacher had studied the passage with the child, the child had asked the Rebbe, why is the Aleph in the word Vayikra small? The altar Rebbe uh, took a long time and thought, very quiet, the room was quiet. And then he replied, Adam, the first man, was God's handiwork, and God testified that his wisdom surpassed that of the ministering angels. But Adam knew his own greatness. This is going to be an important key to understanding what we're talking about today. Adam knew his own greatness and was overcome by his awareness of this, and therefore he blundered and committed a sin. So the Rebbe says again, and I'll repeat it, Adam, being such a great handiwork of God, his wisdom surpassed the angel. He knew this. He knew he was a smart man. We even see a reflection of this. It says that when Eve ate the apple, ate the apple, ate the fruit, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, that he didn't do anything else besides join her because he knew the solution. And as soon as he ate the apple, he lost the ability to have that wisdom and to know the solution. You understand? But not only was, and we also know there's a difference between uh, Moshe, our teacher, and Adam. He says, he continues on the altar, Rebbe says this, not only was Moshe not overcome by his awareness, because Moshe was the same thing. It says that Moshe was also very aware of his greatness. And he knew that his greatness, uh, as a great leader, he understood that he was even at a higher level than the patriarchs. But it says, but not only Moshe not overcome by his awareness of this, instead it gave him broken and contrite heart. Moshe, instead of saying, yes, I am, I am all that, Moshe said, oh my goodness, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God has put me in this position? No, I'm bad decision, right? Not the right thing. I mean, he knew, he was aware but he also was broken about the whole idea. Now, why do I bring this up? In this week's parsha, we are going to examine the ten plagues. And at each one of the plagues in the beginning, Pyro's magicians were all able to duplicate them. Correct? Right. The first few, that's what I'm saying. The first few. And... 
each time they duplicated it, Pyro would just simply say, well, then your God's not that special because my magicians could do the same thing. Except when it got down to the plague of the lice. They couldn't repeat it. They declare, well, this is, this is from the Almighty because no, man can, no one can, can, can do this. Well, why is this significant? What's significant about this is that the magicians of this time were, they were probably the best in the world in black magic. I mean, the best. When they can duplicate the blood and the uh, water, uh, water into blood, the frogs, and they duplicate all of them with no problem. But because of the great uh, mystical understandings of the black magic, they understood that no human being through the use of black magic, can manipulate something as small as a, as a, uh, a grain of, of barley. And therefore, the gnat was so small, they knew they were If they couldn't do anything smaller than a grain of barley, there's no way they could do a gnat. This has to be by the hand of God. So what do we learn from this? Something very incredible. I titled this, Sure, how to be stealth to the Yetzirah. How to be stealth to the evil inclination. It says that what we learn from this is that the, the sorcerers and the dark magic could not duplicate something only God could do. And the lesson that we learn from this is that the smaller we make ourselves, the more invisible we become to the Yetzirah to the evil inclination. What do we mean making ourselves smaller? What would you think that term means, smaller? Humble. Humble, very good. Humble is one of the greatest virtues in Judaism. It's, you know, many religions are the same way, I would assume. You know, Buddhism has a sense of humility. But really, what what is humility? I really began to think about it, and we understand that humility is not walking around going, oh, I'm such a poor individual. Mm-hmm. Humility is not going around looking like you've been beat up, like you're nothing, you're a nobody. Humility is not about thinking of yourself as a nobody or uh, oppressing yourself. Humility is actually, true humility is one of the most expansive and life-enhancing of all the virtues. And as I said before, it doesn't mean that we undervalue ourselves. It means that valuing other people is more important. You understand? True humility is how you value other people around you. A person that's um, humble looks at another individual and sees character traits that they don't have and says, "That's, that's what I need. As a matter of fact, the most humble person is able to look at even the lowliest individual and see qualities about that person that they wish they could be. You follow? A humble person is one that's not thinking of himself, but always thinking about other people. I think about the soldier during, a matter of fact, Congressional Medal of Honor. He was a Japanese, um, uh, a Japanese-American. His parents were in an internment camp. And here he is fighting on the front lines in, in Korea. And during his heroic defense of his position was captured as a POW. Um, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not not the Korean. I'm sorry. This was this was a a, a Jewish man from Hungary. I'm sorry. He survived uh, the Holocaust. Got that mixed up. Survived the Holocaust, and he was in Korea. Defended position. Got captured. And while he was in an internment camp in North Korea or China, wherever he's held, uh, he made it his his obligation because he remembered his dad saying while they were in their, in the concentration camp, he had lost all of his family except for his father. And remember his father saying, we have to do a mitzvah every day. It's more important than anything in the world, we have to do a mitzvah every day. So every day... Every evening when his son would go down, he would sneak out of the hut where he was at and go scavenge to find pieces of bread, whatever he could find, and he'd bring it back and divide it amongst the weakest. Those who had dysentery so bad they couldn't get out of bed, he brought them food. And then he'd bring buckets of water to wash them off because they had defecated and threw up on themselves. He committed himself to those types of mitzvahs the whole time he was there. And somebody attributed to him to be a great hero. And he goes, no, I just happened to be at that place. Not a great hero. To me, that is the humility of Moshe. What made Moshe different than the patriarchs, and we hate to even make those comparisons. It's like, how can you say Moshe is so great, uh, greater than the patriarchs? Think about this. Moshe had the chutzpah to question God. Do you remember that? He had the chutzpah to question God on several different occasions. Now, we know that Abraham challenged God about Lot. Remember that? But Moshe himself said, why, why have you, if you love your people so much, why have they been so tortured? Why have they gone through so much difficulty? He, he stood up and talked to God face to face. Why did he do that? And not because he was a cocky, arrogant man. But he realized... At his place, he knew his relationship with God, yet it broke him in humility before God. He wasn't arrogant about it. He was a very humble man. The, uh, uh, the, it's, it, it, it means valuing other people, and I said that just a minute ago. It signals a certain openness to a life life's grandeur and the willingness to be surprised uplifted by goodness wherever one finds it here is a story that that is brought out by the rebbe he says i learned the meaning of humility from my late father he had come over to this country and at the age of five fleeing persecution in poland his family was poor and he had to, to leave school at the age of 14 to support them what education he had was largely self-taught, yet he loved excellence in whatever field or form it came in. And he had a passion for classical music and painting, and his taste in literature was impeccable for uh, far better than mine. And he says he was an enthusiast, and he, he had, and, and this was what I also cherished about him, the capacity to admire that, I think, is what is the greater part of hum humanity is. The capacity to be open to something greater than oneself. False humility is the pretense. Now listen to this. What is the opposite of humility? The opposite of humility is the pretense that one is small. you get it? I'm going to say it again. Humility says... I recognize 
that there are there are m- many other greater qualities in other people that I don't have. Or I recognize that God has put me in this beautiful position in my life to be able to study Torah. But there are people of much greater prophetic abilities and learning abilities, etc. What is false humility is one who pretends to feel that way. You follow me? It's the pretense of it. Say again? Well, we all know a big we all know a big shot. This this is what's odd. We all know the big shot, and sometimes he, a person who's big, can also be a humble person if he takes care of others. Right? Somebody can be very powerful, very flamboyant, very charismatic, and also when you're around them, makes they make you feel like you're special. Unfortunately, as as is as, as bloviated as our current president is, people say that when you get around him, he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. It's an odd thing, right? Like I, I don't even understand how he could even do that. But he does. He makes people feel that way. Now, is, is that a mark of the fact that he might be a humble man? I, I don't know. But the whole point is, we know the mark of humility is where you look at other people and treat them that they are at a higher level. You just see them as a higher level. What this is saying, false humility is the pretense that one is small. Meaning, oh me, they put on a good show in front of everybody. They're great at putting on a show. Oh no, no, you sit first. They're only putting on a show. But deep down inside, they're self-centered. They're egotistical. They try to manipulate things so that it can go their way. But in public, very humble. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll get the door for you. But the only reason why they're doing it is there's 25 people watching. Right? If they're in a hurry trying to get out of the grocery store and somebody's ahead of them, no one's seeing. They're going to bust right on through. It doesn't really matter. That's a person with the pretense of humility. The person with the pretense of humility comes out, and when they're in a public gathering somewhere, somebody says, hey, we have a need. And they go, oh, I'll, I'll give $200. Real loud so everybody can hear. It's the pretense. Now, did they give it? Yeah, it was great they gave a mitzvah. But the person who's really humble comes and gives his 500, 400, whatever, 300, 200. No one ever knows. No one has a clue. Because his whole objective is to take care of the situation, not to get any credit for it. True humility is the consciousness of standing in the presence of greatness. True humility is the consciousness of standing in the presence of greatness. When you're standing, for example, if we're, if you're in, let's say in this room, you go, well, look around the room and you go, how can I feel that there's greatness in the room? I look at our young people. I look at Michael, who's sick right now. I, I look at their potential greatness. I hear the, the commentary and the questions of our youth. And I look, wow, I wish... I could have been like that when I was that age. You see what I'm saying? That's when we know that we are obtaining some of those levels of humility because even even in our youngest young people, we can see the great potential that's in them. And also within each other, we look around and we, we're not sitting at this table going, well, look how much better I am than you guys. Right? That That's, I mean, nobody in this room would do that. At the same time, 
I think that the mark of humility within this community is the fact that each one of us sees the potential of greatness in another person. And I think that's the reason why this community has become such a pleasant and respectful place to be. Because we treat people with that level of respect. You see, if I value another person and say that you have greatness, and I want to be a humble person, that means that I also treat you as if you are a special person. That you have greatness. And we all have weaknesses and strengths. But what puts a quality of a, a community or brings a community into a level of, of, of humble quality is when we, we see that we become servants of each other. We're wanting to help take care of each other. We wanted to be good to each other. Yes, sir? Uh, you're talking about humility and it's making things um, you know, Oh, absolutely. Right. Right. Absolutely. So if you think about that with, 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 um, it doesn't mean, and when I say, for example, that Moshe was greater in humility than any of, any of the prophets, anybody, to include the patriarchs, it doesn't mean that the patriarchs didn't have great humility, okay? So I'm not saying that. But the, the sages tell us that what made him great is he he realized his place in the world. He recognized his frailties. He understood them, very aware of them. I think a person that's truly humble is not looking at other people, at their frailties and faults, but looking at themselves and seeing what needs to be taken care of. It's really easy to point a finger and say, well, I know so-and-so, and he needs to take care of this, or she needs to fix this or that. But in reality, a true humble person is not even remotely interested in what somebody else needs to fix. They're only interested in fixing the things that they know that secretly are, are, are negative things. So in the conclusion of this, what did we mean when it says that one has to be humble if you want the Yetzirah, the Yetzirah to the uh, the evil inclination to not be able to see you is to be humble, to not be arrogant, not full of pride. Your Yetzirah somehow looking for you but can't find you. Humility, the lack of humility, is the source of anger and frustration and fights and disputations. When we don't have humility, we're susceptible to the animal nature that we have. Humility keeps us from being snatched by the evil inclination to do things that we shouldn't do. Whenever we do something that is that uh, that is influence of the evil inclination, what does it lead us generally to do? To do stuff that takes care of us, me and mine, right? We steal because we want. We we destroy because we we feel the power to do so. But when we're humble, there's none of those there's nothing there that necessitates you needing or wanting to do those kinds of things. If you care for others above yourself, you would never think for a second to take advantage of another person, would you? It would just be impossible. I mean, if truly everyone lived with the mark of trying to be a humble person, we wouldn't have to have laws in the land. We wouldn't have to have laws. Why? Because we'd be generous. We'd be kind. Be full of compassion toward other people. So, in conclusion, 
how do we become stealth to the evil inclination? Live in humility, walk humble before God and man, and recognize the greatness in others while you look at your own character that needs to be improved. That concludes this sure, and we'll get into the discussion phase now. Tom, could you hit the camera on and off one? Okay, do you guys want to start in the discussion or you want to discuss the, the lesson? Yes, sir, just push it. Turn.